Welcome back, Poggers, to another episode of The Pog State. I'm your host, Atlas. This is Chronicler and Valdez. Welcome, gentlemen. And we're here to discuss LCK Autumn. As, uh, of course, there were only three teams uh, that remained after the first semi-final, and they were all from the LCK. So, welcome back to being the best region in the world, boys. How do you feel? Uh, that was the case for the last three years as well. So I'm pretty used to it, actually. Um, things are going pretty well, better this year than other years, but uh, happy to at least have another champion in the works. We don't know who it's going to be, but... Uh, I mean, it could be a, a similar champion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm exceptionally happy. I felt like maybe uh, some of the LCK's uh, lack of performance had to do with when uh, me and Wolf enrolled. We had not won anything. Uh, so I was getting a little worried, but as it turns out, uh, we have no control over that, so didn't really end up mattering. And uh, the amount of talent and level play that's been showcased by LCK teams is just uh, very, very heartwarming, having seen a lot of our teams really struggle over the course of this year. Yeah, it's been something really vindicating about yeah. this World Championship, because I think that all of us here at the LCK, and all of you that have been watching the LCK, kind of felt it as well, right? Like we see T1, their meteoric rise in spring when they didn't do very much to change their roster. And then all of these other teams sort of start coming up and rebuilding and finding that synergy towards the end of the summer split. And so what it felt like to me was that our region was just getting better because they were meeting the level of a team that looked extraordinarily dominant. And so seeing the fact that that's all worked out, seeing the fact that a fourth seed is now in the world final, the first time that's I, ever happened, is absolutely insane. I made a joke tweet about this, about Liv Sandbox. Like, Liv Sam but, but Liv Sandbox and KT being as good as they were, I actually think was a large part of what also catapulted a lot of the other teams, right? Like, they didn't end up making it, but they kind of took DRX with them, forced DRX to be better, and it was that push to improve that I think really helped out and strengthened the league as a whole. You couldn't really just only do well against the one other good team, you had to really be on your guard against a lot of LCK teams. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about uh, when everybody's getting better. Uh, it's just like the floor is rising, right? So everybody's kind of floating on top. Um, I guess in this case, the floor would be water and not lava. But everybody's <laughs> kind of like floating up, you know, as boats and everybody uh, comes up to a similar level. And I think that did happen. Um, but there's definitely something to be said about form for this world, because obviously DRX, you know, it's the, the tried and true point that everybody's made on every cast with DRX so far, which is like, they were not the team that was supposed to be here, basically. They were sixth, and then they somehow won in the regional qualifiers, and then they somehow made it through play-ins and through groups and then through knockouts and stuff. So um, their form has just been insane, like the way they've just meteorically rise, rose and... Risen? Risen. One of those words, yeah. <laughs> As well. It's been really cool to see. And I think that, um, you know, they always had it in them. They just needed some more time to really fulfill and realize that true level that all those players, you know, who are all like 9 out of 10 now on that roster. It just took some time. I think Zach is an 11 out of 10, personally. That guy played absolutely ridiculously today. Blew my absolute mind. But I, I want to go back to what you said, Chronicle, because I think you're exactly right. The competitiveness. It's the competitiveness yeah. of our league. And the fact that our, like, what was it, top six teams were all basically in, like, contention for being better than one another 
at the end of the split, right? And to me, one of the big things is what used to be the strength of the LPL and the reason why a lot of people felt like the LPL was such a strong region was because a lot of the teams were very diverse. So one team did A, another team did B, C, D, until like, what was it, F, G, because there's so many teams in the league. Mm. And then as a result, no matter what the meta shift will be, you'll always end up having a good team. But in the LCK, we kind of got both worlds where not only did we have Sandbox, which played very scrappy, a couple of bot-centric teams, especially during the regular splits when Guma and Carrier weren't as good as they are now. Um, T1 was very topside focused. So we got a lot of that diversity, but then we also got all of them playing to like an insane level, right? So it wasn't just the meta being right. In the current world's meta, you really have a lot of room for playing your own style. So when you combine that with the overall, I think, very high and consistent skill level that the LCK generally shows, it looks incredible. It certainly has, and it's taken the world by storm uh, this year as well, which has been extraordinarily heartwarming. And we're going to get into those, uh, the semifinals, but first, I want to check in with our friend Wolf. You may have noticed that there's only three <laughs> of us here. There are four of us that are mainstays on the LCK broadcast. Wolf is currently in North America, so let's, uh, let's just go and uh, see what he's been up to, shall we? Hey, Poggers. It's just me in America eating an In-N-Out burger. Not able to make this pog state this time because I'm in America eating cheeseburgers. Sorry. You're just going to have to see me come in remotely. Hey, poggers. Just me in America grilling steaks. Is there anything more American than the joy of a cookout outside? No, I don't think so. Whoa! Cool stuff! I loved Wolf doing those things and showing us what it's like to watch League in the US. It's great how he represented America. I miss my home so much. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, by the way, we didn't actually know what was on that video, so that's just how things go. True, did um, a great job. Yeah, I think, I think that this generic reaction is always the way to do it. Um, let's get into our first semifinal. So, T1 managing to take down JDG. Now, not all of us here predicted that T1 would win this series. Some of us got our predictions and game score absolutely correct. Others did not. Um, just a shameless plug because I did manage to actually uh, correctly predict that one. And I haven't been predicting very well, so I'm taking all my wins. I was a free tour. I was a 3 one as well. Play-by-play supremacy over here. 3-2. Um, uh, free I did do very well during quarters, but yeah. I did not do well during semis. No. Yeah, no, I, I nailed it in quarters outside of anything that DRX had anything to do with. Um, in fact, my predictions have been Makes perfect, um, unless it's DRX, because I've just been betting against them the entire time. Keep and doing it's that. working. It's getting Def to, to the world mm. final. He's there now, so T1-3-0 is going to be the, uh, the prediction there, a bit of a spoiler. So, um, T1, though, they played extraordinarily well. I think that, like, from what we saw in the group stage... Damwon Kia versus JDG, especially that first game, really put expectations extraordinarily high for both Damwon, but also JDG, oh, yeah. who looked just so crisp with their map rotations. Like, their laning wasn't necessarily that powerful, but a lot of people describe this team as, like, mid-game, team-fighting, get themselves back into the game. But the way they made decisions around the map and moving towards different positions, to me, was the most impressive. 
I'm mind blown that T1 seemingly went back to what they did in spring, which was a very strong macro team in the same way, or like re utilizing picks like Rise and actually being able to mm -hmm. kind of run over other teams. But then now with Lucianami and like a lot of other aggressive bottom lines, as opposed to what it was back then, which was Ophelia and Ophelios and Jinx, which are a lot slower. So they were even faster. Mechanically, uh, everyone on the team looked completely insane, like in the best form that we've seen in probably all year. Barring, ironically, Zeus, who was still exceptional, played against what I think was the best top laner of the tournament, even though those two, it's always going to be a toss-up depending on the resources they get in the matchup and whatnot. Um, and, and then Guma and Karia just going absolute god mode is... It's just another example of what I was talking about before. It's like, it's so important to... Everybody does this. Everybody's uh, a victim to this kind of idea where it's like, player was really good and they, then they started not playing so well and then everybody kind of jumps on the bandwagon of like, oh, this guy, you know, he's not good anymore. Guma was never good. Guma was never good, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. Like, people yeah. start rewriting history all of a sudden. It's yep. like, oh, this guy doesn't, you know, I wish we had Teddy back or something, you know? But like, Guma had so many amazing uh, moments in spring and Karia, I mean, he was my number one player, I think, for spring, you know, in a lot of people's minds. And then in summer, they they didn't have the same levels. So people just kind of wrote them off and they were like, okay, well, these guys, you know, they're not quite as good as they used to be. And when people say it that way, it makes it seem like they can never quite reach that form ever again. But <laughs> as we can see, um, not just T1, but also with DRX uh, very specifically, and even Dom1, um, it's just how you perform on the day. It's how your form comes out, how well you can prepare for the best of fives. Now that we get into knockouts and we have best of fives and it's not just best of ones deciding whether or not you make it or not. Um, we can have another format discussion another day. Uh, but um, I just think it's really important to never really write anybody off. Like, uh, you know, in terms of expectations, it is important to, of course, set, you know, a realistic expectation. Okay, this guy hasn't been playing that well, but um, it does feel like everybody on T1 and DRX specifically are just kind of reaching a new level or their old super high level in terms of at least Karia, I would say. Uh, um, where, yeah. once again, everybody's like, oh my God, this guy is insane. It's like, well, yeah, he always had it in him. Um, and now it came out at the most important time. So really it's about who spikes at the right time. And I think that one of the reasons why LCK has performed so well this world compared to other regions, especially LPL, our biggest competitor, has been they just spiked at the right time. They had the better preparation, they had the better form at the right time, and they were able to get it done. They always had it in them. The players were always really fantastic. Same for the LPL team, same for JDG, you know, an insane team in their own right, but T1 just prepared better and they had more tools at their uh, disposal for that best of five. It really ties into what you also often see, which is people kind of going back and being like, oh yeah, I can't believe no one told us that DRX was going to be this team. It's like, this is not the same team. Like, not even remotely. Player form isn't static, so if those players just keep improving, and, and especially in a team game, like momentum and having faith in each other is so incredibly important. And I think overall, uh, Valdez really hit the nail on the head. Like the amount of development and peaking at the right time that we're seeing from t not just T1, but I'd argue any LCK team besides Gen.G, who interestingly enough regressed, which 
makes sense considering how high their form in, in summer was, right? Like maintaining that I yeah. think is very hard is, uh, is really, really cool to see. It's also sort of an example of the fact that pressure from outside sources is extraordinarily difficult to deal with. I think what this does is really accentuate how extraordinarily impressive T1 have been just because the expectation level, if your name is T1, oh. is five times that of any other team on the planet, at least, right? So like them being able to now be in another world final, possibly an opportunity for Faker to pick up his fourth title, like which is just obscene to even think about, He's also had to do that with that level of pressure. And Gen G have been dealing with that as well, right? As the LCK first seed, a, team, a region that had four teams out of, uh, out of the group stage and then three teams in the semifinals, it's the highest level of expectation to come through from this team. And so it's understandable that that pressure could get to them when they're up against a DRX that are performing way higher than what anyone should have expected. Because... Tying into the second semis, DRX versus Gen.G, as much as I think DRX are an incomparable team to what they was, as good as they've been, like Zeka's form obviously is, people are talking about the Zeka award, I'm like, yes, let's do it, you yeah. know, for a player that we knew that Deft and Zeka were the heart of this team, but a performance like this no one would have reasonably expected, and you couldn't, because it's it defies any form of, of reasoning and expectation, right? Uh, but you very clearly also saw that Gen.G was not even remotely able to play to their normal level. And a, a better semi, or like in an ideal world, we'd have a semi where Gen.G plays to their max level and DRX does. But I don't think we're ever going to see that because you point out Gen.G with the pressure, the only one who seemed like he was fine with it was Ruler. Every yeah. other player on the team just couldn't yeah. cope. And like, that's another example. Like if you go back to summer, it's not the same team. It's not the same team. It makes you wonder how Gen.G were able to handle the pressure pretty well for LCK Summer Finals. I guess, you know, maybe another case of peaking at the right time. You know, maybe in they the were moment. more comfortable. You yeah. know, they're in Korea, right? They're playing against a team they played against so much. And they're like, okay, we can, we can take these guys out. I mean, I, I guess I can't really use that because they did lose to a team that they had not lost to um, for the entirety of the year. Um, but either way, like, it, it really does showcase how pressure, you know, as Max said, is such a huge thing. Uh, expectations for the teams are so huge. Like, I think that DRX has really benefited from the idea of, like, nobody expects us to win. Let's do it Who for cares? Brother Death. It's, it's, the, under, you know? it's like, the underdog story, right? They have yeah. the underdog. And with nothing to lose, you get... And, they, and yeah. they have something huge to fight for as well, because not only for themselves, but also because, you know, not only us as fans and as casters or whatever everybody's invested in the deaf story, right? Including his own teammates, so. And, um, and what was apparently the entirety of Atlanta as oh, yeah. well, which yeah, was everyone. just so heartwarming. And, and when you see like a venue performance like this, oftentimes all of the fans leave after the games. That's sort of how it goes. Everyone's kind of filtering out, but it felt to me like literally everyone stayed in their seat for the interview. It was because it was the same after the EDG quarters, right? Like yeah. after that, also there were and 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 this is that was to me one of the most heartwarming moments. I mean, there that was the so greatest many, interview of all time. Well, not only that, but there was also <laughs> so many EDG fans that stayed because of Deft. 
Right, like that just to me was. Oh yeah, the the EDG fans that like had the confused that had, happy that face. That had the both. Was, yeah, it's like because like they're they're holding up their death sign and the EDG <laughs> <Yeah>. sign. <laughs> but if you're gonna lose to one team or one player, it's it's death. Right? Exactly. So, so it's it, it, yeah, it was. It, right, it was such a wonderful moment. We now have to bring it back to what we were talking about because we've tangented. <laughs> what were we we've about? tangented everywhere. We're yeah. supposed to be talking about uh, the first uh, semifinal, so we're going to do that. It does tie in though because JDG would have had the same level of expectation. Um, on their shoulders, being the LPL first seed. There's a lot of pressure that we don't in the West necessarily see as much of, just because China is a little bit blocked off when it comes to you know fan reactions and things like that. We get a few things here and there, but we don't get a full idea of how the fans really feel. And there are a lot of people in China, as you guys might assume. And so therefore, going to be a lot of expectation on JDG at the same time. And I think that they did perform admirably but I think in both of these semifinals, it's an example of the team that won was just playing really, really well. It wasn't necessarily an example of choking, except for maybe like the last I, couple I of like, games for Genji. But yeah. yeah, that's really it. It's like the timing of it. Because the first couple of games, not just the fact that both, both series were 3-1, but like the first two games of both series were pretty competitive, like very, very close. Yeah. Even the ones that DRX won in games two and three, it was like Gen G could have won that if they had like one or two team fights in their favor. Um, um, yeah, and same I think, for JDG, yeah. Yeah. right? Where it's like the first couple of games, obviously the one that they won, but even the, the first one that T1 won, was very close. But then once it got to like game three and especially game four for both series, both of the teams that were losing just collapsed. It was like, we can't, we can't do it anymore. Like, we can't handle it. We cannot win this best of five. We lost all hope. It did just feel like, and both games kind of showed that it was like pretty stompy in game four because it was just, yeah. you know, the, the team, the opponents kind of was not able to keep that same level. They didn't have the momentum behind them. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that in the T1 series, it was a little bit more strategy-based. I think that what T1 did was kind of beautiful in their draft. They, in game number one, the game where you have the least pressure, where you have a few buffer games in order to get things back in line, it was something that we saw Genji do against Darmon in their first series that they probably experimented on a little bit too much. Um, but T1 just leaves everything up, like Kanavi being able to get Viego is something that I wasn't expecting to happen the entire series, and something that T1 definitely did manage to pivot um, really beautifully towards. Mm -hmm. The uh, the Jax matchup there towards the top side, something that 369 has also proven that he's extremely good at. You know, Yagao getting comfort, like, and also the bottom lane having Aphelios Lulu into the, the Lucian Nami is something we've seen be very successful. The fact that T1 then sort of dissects what happened in game one and says, ah, so that is what you're planning on doing. Allow us to just <laughs> destroy you. It's, it's also both JDG and Gen G won game one. And then at a very close game two that was won by the opponent, and then game three already was like a little bit shaky. And then as, as Valdas mentioned, the and final game in every series was a clap. And T1, their willingness to go for extremely 1-3-1 high-tempo draft was so cool to me because that was also what was their weakness in 2019. Like, that was how they got G2'd very, very hard, right? Because they were unable yeah. to deal with that type of breakneck pace. And the fact that they do that to another team that is known for really strong team fighting, for really good setup for team fights, never, ever let them do that because you're drafting Rise, which isn't the champion, has like 40% win rate, right? In, in solo queue, Nocturne is 
incredibly cool. And for JDG and Genji, there are so many parallels to be drawn because both of these two teams also think are not nearly as popular as a lot of other organizations, right? Like RNG and EDG have way more yeah. fans. T1 goes without <clears throat> saying as well. I think that there was a real lack of, and even Rogue ties into this, a real lack of faith in the ability of these orcs to perform. Then they get the win domestically regardless. And then at Worlds, it's like, oh, it's, it's Dumb Ones is really good again, even though Genji did beat them. They still overperformed. And it's T1 that actually ends up going to the finals. Yeah, no, exactly right. And I, I think that, like, expectation, really big deal. Um, I want to bring us back, and I think I have the perfect way to really recap uh, the semifinal. And that is just to hear Wolf's thoughts, who won't get sidetracked by other things, and he will actually just talk about the T1 versus JDG matchup. Take it away, Wolf. So the T1 JDG series was really interesting, and I know that a lot of people are going to criticize me for my JDG prediction. I predicted them winning the series 3-2, and I really thought that Kanavi's role was going to be way more important in the T1 series than it actually ended up being. Some of my fears for JDG going into that series was they were going to try to play around topside, where Zayas can play weak side stuff like uh, the Gangplank, which he played, and then it weakens the bottom side, where Hope has been looking very weak this tournament. He's really underperforming. Hope was one of my big standout players I was most looking forward to watching for this tournament. And he hasn't really performed. He didn't really perform in that series. Missing, living up to his name, unfortunately, a little bit in this tournament. But the cool thing about T1 in that series was I thought it was a, a culmination of a year of T1's experimentation and drafting. Some of the stuff we've seen with Faker's Galio, Zayas playing Camille, playing the uh, Galio-Camille together was really amazing um, to see actually come to fruition at best of five. And after losing game one... T1 just realized, I can't beat this team in straight up 5v5 fights, or that is going to be the hard path, rather, to win this best of five. Not that they can't do it, but it's a very hard path for them to win the best of five by team fighting. So what they decided to do instead was actually draft completely differently and play around 1-3-1s. They play the Yone. Gangplank from Zeus absorbs a lot of pressure, becomes fed later on, carries the game. And it was really cool to see that T1 got to be vindicated in this best of five from all the draft woes they had all year long. The fans were criticizing them so heavily for how they drafted, the risks they took. And I think a lot of people were very skeptical even in that best of five of the drafts T1 had, but it worked out brilliantly because their macro just ended up being way better. Uh, one other thing I guess I could criticize for GDG is Hope's positioning was pretty suspect during the series. Yigao unfortunately felt pretty invisible too in the best of five overall. But T1 was the better team on the day, and they absolutely smashed it. Even game one was very close. So really impressive stuff from T1. Thank you so much, Wolf. Uh, I know feels bad to get a prediction wrong. However, you put yourself in the greatest position, which was either you're correct in your prediction or the LCK wins. <laughs> and so therefore, it's happiness on both yeah. sides. I appreciate the ability to be happy either way. I like that one a lot. I assume you just... He knew in his heart of hearts that T1 were going to win. I think he did, deep down. Let's get into our second semifinal. This was the one that for us just happened this morning. We are going to do our very best to make sure that you guys are watching this in a timely manner so that we can get straight towards the final, which is going to be in a few days time for you guys. Um, but we just watched it. And so we're fresh off the feels of this 3-1 that honestly, most of us just never thought should happen. Um, I woke up a little bit too late, so I was like, started watching the series at quarter past six in the morning, which was just after First Blood that DRX managed to pick up, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. 
maybe it's possible. And then game one continued, and I was like, oh, it's not possible. It's 3-0, it's exactly as I predicted. Genji looked way too good. And then... Pyoshi. What happens? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the same story, right? Where game one, Genji got, I think, a great draft, a lot of power for them. Uh, the MF, justifiably, I'd argue, has just not been that good. Playing Camille into Kench feels kind of bad. Overall, the DRX draft, I don't think is that good. And afterwards, they adjust. And then from that point onward, uh, it, it, at no point in that series does Genji really look like they have the confidence, right? Like they're feeling like they're in control. I think to me, game three was the breaking point where Genji is like, we're gonna fall back. It's the Genji thing that is last year a lot as well. Scaling, a lot of range, a lot of team fighting power. And then they get completely run over by Piyoshik on Viego and Silas uh, or Akali rather from Zeka. And then from that point onward, like if that doesn't work, what do you do? Where do you go? Yeah, I think um, in terms of game strategy, I don't think that DRX really holds the stuff that T1 did in terms of like, you know, we have this crazy strat, we're going to let them do what they want, and then we're going to like bring in, you know, the, the real emergency plan A and plan B. Um, but they did bring in some pretty interesting stuff, like the Caitlyn Lux in game two, which was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, they're going to try this thing, uh, try to really dominate lane. And uh, something important as well for DRX, by the way, which I think we forgot to mention, is that while the carries, Deft and Zeka, especially uh, with Zeka's performance here in the semifinal more than anything else, um, they are kind of like the engine that drives the whole thing. But the guy who's actually driving the car is like Barrel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. like, and he's, he's often off-road driving. He's, he's in a four-wheel drive <laughs> yeah, or a monster truck. We don't know what he's driving. He's driving it. Sometimes it goes off the rails, and some of the Lux plays as well. He got kind of booned by Ruler and stuff like that. And it wasn't all clean, but it was very DRX, right? They got there, and then, you know, they, they had some pretty interesting ideas in draft. But, like, they just played so incredibly well like Zeka's performance on Ari I think that might have been that, that might have been like the early sign the you know? it was like the yeah. foreshadowing yeah. because Genji did have a good game three it was really close they were actually even ahead in gold for a decent majority of that game um but obviously that's not the most important thing and then eventually DRX just won you know a bunch of big team fights towards the end they just played it better and that was the real backbreaker but I think like the the Ari play in game two for me was really like Holy shit. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. Okay, now Watching they're here to Chobi play. Watching Chovy underneath his turret, like getting charmed and harassed yeah, by Zeka is like, because we've... And this the team is the, fighting as yeah. well, it's insane. No, absolutely. Zeka. But I, I think that the, the biggest criticism that a lot of people had, and I might be a little bit biased about this because I, um, I was on a podcast with, um, with Kira and Rich um, just recently, and Kira was like, Zeka's a terrible laner. He's just so bad at laning. And I'm like, I hope he shuts the F up now about that. Because like, I'm pretty sure like, <laughs> well, if yeah. you beat yeah. the guy that's the best at laning, also on a champion that you just pull out now after not playing it through the entire tournament, yeah. in a matchup that we know a lot about. There is a lot of tape about Silas Ari, and it is largely a skill matchup. Despite the range disparity, oftentimes Silas gets through it pretty comfortably uh, in our experience. And the key thing here to mention as well is one, the, the one-two of Gragas Kindred with which they picked up two wins, I think is incredibly strong because but not only do you get a front line to help you out with your double marksman comms, 
uh, especially if you add the Brom that they had in the final game. When that yeah. Nautilus got blinded, that Brom got locked in. I'm like, that it's it's doomed. It, it's, it's doomed. Um, but also because of how obnoxious DRX is in Barrel specifically, Heimer was banned every single game. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to reiterate: it's really easy to forget because we've kind of come to accept it. Heimer Dinger support had to be banned. <laughs> Genji was just running yeah. with two bans because they had to ban Heimer Dinger support. Like, and you, and it's it's actually like it's extremely should. important. It's extremely important because that first pick, Caitlin, is that was a hundred percent banned throughout the group stage. It did get played once. It did get left up once in play-ins. Deft obviously won the game. Um, largely because it's planes, but also because it's Def's Caitlyn that you're not allowed to let him have. And this is why, like, I want to challenge everyone that's just like, why don't they ban Silas Akali? Zeka's not that good. It's like, like, they can't. Because you have to ban so many things in this meta, and so much of, like, this is why the meta is so good at the moment, by the way, is that the bans change every single matchup. Yeah, you're against yeah. DRX. Even you have game. to ban Heimerdinger. You're, like... Even in this series, right? They banned Singed. DRX banned Singed in order to be able to get the Caitlyn, right? Because otherwise they first pick the Yumi and there's not that comfortable response, mm. right? So, like, I just think that, like, the back and forth when it comes to the picks and bans are so incredibly cool yeah. to watch. Also, uh, important, important point about Zekka is that it's, you know, in terms of rewriting history, like, he's re rewritten his own history so many times. Like, you can't just... You can't even just do that, you know, that that fan idea of like, oh, we'll just ban his two best champions and he'll he'll be done. Like, he's proven so many times that he can play so many other things and yeah. dominate one of the best laners in the world. Okay, so the yeah, guy like, can play so many things. He doesn't have to pull them out because if Silas and Akali are there, then he'll just play those. Because why not? Because his Silas and Akali is 11 out of 10. So he doesn't have to show anything else, which means that he can pull out Ari in game two and have... Also, just as much of a game-breaking performance because he is just a fantastic player. He's not just a Silas Akali two-trick anymore. He is just really, really good. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the best Corkies that we had, which is very funny. Because <laughs> as far as, like... I mean, yeah, they popularized that Callista Corky Corp, right? Yeah, as right? far as, like, high-profile skill expression goes, Corky's not the champion that we in the LCK <laughs> will go towards, but... Hey, you uh, hit those rockets and, consistently. You're doing boom, boom damage, as our friend Valdez oh, boom, would say. Boom, boom. And, and then uh, the Gallery Gaming in Game 4. I think DRX really showcased what a combination of players playing well, really high level of creativity, and the willingness to be very, very adaptive in draft, which, to me, the team that is always going to be the hallmark example of that is Dumb One in 2020. Mm -hmm. And DRX here showcase again why it's such a great combination because it's so hard to adapt to. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just whispers of Beryl. He's like always surrounding us. I, I, he's I, working. Like, he he's was still, there in 2020 I, and this is, a, this is another like... Mm. Re, 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 well, I mean, he's, back to back to back. Yeah, he's yeah. the only player who, uh, besides, what was it, Bang, Bang Wolf, Wolf Faker. And, and Faker yeah. to, to do it three times in a row. And they were make, part of a dynasty. Yeah. Whereas make, uh, now Beryl's on a different team. Hey, I mean, finals. Beryl could now be two out of three as well if uh, they manage to win um, the world final. But it's it's just... It's such an unreal... But like, I've seen Beryl really sprint it this year. Like, we I mean, all have. I think that Beryl also hasn't really changed massively coming into this tournament because he just makes were, crazy calls. That was against EDG, right, where he was like 0-5 or 0-6 on Heimerdinger, and yeah. it, was, it, was still, it still got banned the next game. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's so dumb. It's not fair. And I love that <laughs> yeah. in the interview afterwards, Beryl's just like, oh, it's fun. Yeah. 
That's why it's I like lights. It's just fun. Do you know what I'm really worried about? Uh, new Genshin patch drops in a couple of days. Oh, that makes mm. him better. Oh, right. That's true. That means he needs to win so he can spend his money on the patch. That's true. That's true. He needs he that prize <laughs> money so that he can uh, grab himself the Dendro Archon, which is you know pretty important, I could imagine. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'm, now, I'm now actually very scared yeah. uh, for T1 um, due to that fact. I was worried for DRX because of it. That was going to be my point. I just point, wonder no. if, if, if DRX do, do win, like what, what waifu skin is it going to be this time around? Oh my. Heimerdinger. Oh my. <laughs> Could you, so like, if, if DRX Heimer wins, <laughs> if DRX wins, and I know like the same thing can be said for T1 and like faker skins, right? But like, Deft gets a world skin. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine how many that would sell? Mm. Like that is, that is so many. I, I just, you can't, like after winning an unprecedented Worlds as a fourth seed from a region, I mean, I'd feel like, like even if I didn't have any money, <laughs> any part of my income <laughs> needs to go to dedicating myself to death. That's, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that makes sense. There also, are a lot, a lot of fans that there's feel a, that way. There's also, yeah, I, I could like imagine that there'd sure. be a few people that would feel pretty yeah. compelled. I think for DRX, there's also two out of the five picks already feel locked into me because there is, in my opinion, still or King and Orn. Like, oh, I feel King like and his Orn, Orn is, is like a, By the way... And then Pioshek Kindra, which is I mean, also... Yes. So, so then it becomes where all the other ones are. But I feel like we've... I, mean, I really Beryl, want to. I, I has to be Heimerdinger, and, <laughs> and it's not even a skin. It's actually just Beryl. Like it's actually it's just, just his face skinned over yeah. Heimerdinger. That's what it needs to be. Instead of, instead of instead of throwing instead of throwing wrenches, he throws phones with gotcha games on. No, them. he throws credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, exactly. um, I kind of I kind of now just wanna champions. now I just kind of wanna. Talk about which skin every player, every all of the mm. ten players are going yeah. to pick. I wonder which skin Faker would choose not to use ever. Um, He'll use it like once, maybe. No, like he's running not. out of champions. You know, I mean, he. Well, that's not true because it is Faker and he plays every champion in the game. But would it be a Galio? What about like champions that could be? He has played in the World Finals for, and stuff. For Zayus, it's, it's Jace, which is not Zayus Jace. I mean, it has owner, to be Owner Jace, Lee. Right, yeah. Like those are kind of no-brainers. Guma, I don't really know. I hope it's not Lee, because we've just there's so many Lee yeah, Sin skin. It, it, like every jungler be, that be. wins worlds wants a Lee Sin skin. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's allowed <laughs> to actually. I feel like sometimes maybe they're like, you need to And also the Jace is really difficult because it's, it's a like very difficult two? skin to build. Yeah. I know. Um, there's two worlds Lee skins, right? FPX and an SKT one? Yeah. I know Bengi definitely has one, right? Yeah, and Tian has one as well. And Tian has one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Skins. I mean, unless unless he just goes down like the uh, the FPX route and just goes another GP skin as well for Zayas, he could do that also. I mean, his pirate's pretty good. Yeah. Um, bottom side, Guma what if Carrier Guma did a Zaya skin. Cool. I think Carrier would do a Pike skin. That's what I feel like he would has do. He played just it. Yeah, it I don't was, think he's played um, it as Worlds yet. <gasps> Oh no! That's fine. He needs to get in. his Pike game in. Are I you think sure? He has. I think he has. He? I think he played it. In I'm not a hundred. I'm not a hundred. I, I, like, I think he might have just played it so that he can lock in his skin. That choice. actually makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Between play-ins, which was also like 64 games and like all the group games, it's very. I mean, things are meshing. Things are definitely. <laughs> it's also like to the most together. unique champions ever picked at Worlds. Yeah, 
like by a large margin. It's yeah. like meta is really amazing. like fifteen really awesome. extra champions. It's yeah. unreal. I feel like the the team that's playing better generally wins, and I think you still get rewarded for playing a good early game and for playing out early game compositions. Game that comes to mind is EDG versus T1, their first matchup where T1 really played like a breakneck composition where if you don't get a lead and win the game, then you lose. Yeah. But they played it out very well and re were rewarded for it. We've seen a lot of teams pick scaling and manage to actually scale into winning games. Like, I just think it's really, really cool that you can play out so many different styles. You mentioned already that T1, like, they started team fighting against JDG, but then decided they didn't want to. And then they split pushed. They played the map very effectively. And that also worked out very well. Like, we've actually seen the return of split pushing somehow yeah. at Worlds. So on that topic, uh, you know, back to the gloating. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Do you think that because this meta is best at showing which team is actually better, that now the LCK is doing the best, and that's why? Well, I mean, yeah, it's generally... One of the most, <laughs> most leading, leading questions I've Just ever heard what you think. in my entire <laughs> life, Valdez. I love it. Well, I mean, I'd have to think about it for a bit, Valdez, but I'd say in a meta where you're highly rewarded for skill expression mm. and for knowledge of different win conditions, that the team that wins in a meta like this is generally the best team and therefore, the, with the fact the best, that we have every team in the final, means that the LCK is probably. I know the best we're doing a bit, the but the best team always wins. Like, I'm. <laughs> that I is can't not true. That is yes, not true. I think it is. I, I think that like TS were the best in their group in the last week. They didn't win. True, right? but maybe they should have been good week one. Were Dom on the best team I mean, overall last year, but they just didn't play a good final? I'd say so. And EDG over. But, but, yes, but I still. Talking, talking about form, you know? But yeah, I mean, yeah, that, on the that's day. the same way that you could talk about DRX versus Gen G, right? And on the day is important. What, yeah. what, what I think is really cool is that uh, if you go back in, in League history, right? Like if you try and discern certain eras, there is a very clear, like the, the start of Modern League is season three, right? 2013. Yep. Because season two was the kind of the, the first year. Season one goes without saying because there were a it's lot of It's all a bit cloudy before Faker Exactly. <laughs> he brought light but, to but, League but of so season So 2013 to 2017 are like, LCK is the best without like any. There's just no reason. There's no mm. room for doubt. It is just very obvious. Then 2018 and 2019, or 2018 in particular, is like the darkest of years for any LCK fan. Mm. Then 2019, they are still very much like kind of recovering. And then starting in 2020... Um, I think that the current era, which might now be over again, which is LCK and LPL are very evenly matched. And I know we bring up a lot of the talk coming into the tournament was the one and eight, but especially in 2021 and even in uh, this year's MSI, like it was very obvious that the teams were extremely close. And I think the form of the day really, really mattered. And I wonder whether what we have witnessed this world's is going to remain the case, which is like uh, LCK, because last year, as you pointed out, three years, right? Like Hanwha Life making out of groups, although in that case, they were helped a little bit by uh, Fnatic booming, but still an insane level of overperformance from that team. Mm -hmm. um, every LCK makes out of the uh, every LCK team makes it to quarters. This year, every LCK team makes it to quarters. Again, we get three teams in semis, but this time around, there's like no question. So I'm wondering whether this will be a return to the LCK era, or whether we're going to have um, back, and forth, back and forth now, back and forth years, depending on what is the meta, how do the teams look. Because 
as you point out, in an alternate universe, maybe Tess does make it out, and maybe they do actually perform to like the peak level that we saw glimpses of in the second week. Um, but it could also be that now we're just back to LCK on top, right? Because the, the signs were kind of on the wall last time around, then EDG clutched it out. But now, with what we've seen this time around at Worlds, I really am very curious to see what the yeah, and we, we have to see be. what the aftermath is from this year as well. Like we always see a lot of reshuffling. It happened at the beginning of this year. It's why we were, you know, so extraordinarily excited about the LCK was because we saw these rosters coming into fruition. Like even if you remember back, like we had Nongshim on our radar as one of these teams that was very exciting to look out for at the beginning of the year. And I, I don't like bringing it up because it makes us all sad. But <laughs> that is still a team yeah. on paper that looked very, very powerful in theory, right? But what we got was all of these teams figuring it out during summer, minus Nongshim. And like, too. Yeah, yeah, true. Where they could have been going to Worlds. The, I mean, Nongshim lost you as... the KT yeah. that didn't make it. Yep. You know, they were the team that got knocked out. It was a little bit different. Like, they, they, were, they bore the brunt of the deft factor. And, you know, deft did that again to a couple <laughs> of teams. Yeah. And Trophy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what, I'm what I think is really cool... And it ties into not just obviously need to mention challengers at least once per mm -hmm, box mm -hmm. otherwise like i don't fulfill my quota but what you see and t1 is to me the best example of this and zeka is as well is that the lck has now married what used to be the old lck style of still especially drx like playing very controlled playing mm -hmm. very find lead choke out opponent you know i think the games against Genji, they were like kind of they ran over them because Gen.G wasn't performing very well. But at large, that's how DRX has played most of their knockout games. But then T1 is like insanely high mechanics, insanely quick map movement, and like a style of individualism and, and tempo and throwing off your opponent that is directly yoinked from what beat the LCK in 2019. Yeah. Because like the, the, both the, the level of team fighting, which is or was, depending on how you look at it, an LPL staple, and then the 1 3 1 and the creativity of a G2, which was by a large margin, the best European team in 2019, um, to me is really, really cool to see the LCK kind of take all those parts and then marry it to what has always been, yeah. I think, the consistency of the region. But uh, I'm going to stop you there just for a moment, gentlemen, because we still need to hear from Wolf. And he needs to give us his thoughts on our second semi-final. So he was also very fresh. We were talking about this and it was just this morning for us, but I think it was like a couple of hours or a couple of minutes after that series was over. So some very fresh thoughts from Wolf about uh, that second semifinal between Genji and DRX. Take it away, mate. DRX versus Genji, where do we even start? This series was one that I predicted to be Genji 3-1. I think most people predicted a 3-0 for Genji. It was looking like it was going to be that one-sided. And DRX is a team that came into this tournament sixth place in regular season. They finished fifth, sixth after losing the first round of playoffs. Then they came into groups where a lot of people were skeptical about their chances of getting out of the group. They get out of the group. They go into a quarterfinals and beat EDG in a reverse sweep, go into semifinals where they're massive underdogs, and then crush it, smash it. It's a one-sided affair. And now Deft gets to play against his old high school friend Faker in the finals. There's no more beautiful story than that. And, you know, I don't know how much of this is actually going to get edited out because I'm sure everyone is saying this on the Pog State episode as well. Like, this is what we're all feeling and Def's plot armor really came true. But the really big standout for me in this uh, best of five was how little fear DRX played with. 
Pioshek willing to pick the Kindred early in drafts, knowing he's going to be able to carry on it, knowing they're going to be able to set up on objectives around it super well, which they did. And it wasn't just a Graves counter pick. It was just a standard pick that Genji didn't have a great answer to. And beyond that, Zekka had an amazing performance. They set him up to play the Akali versus Chovy on the Azir. He had side lane control. He carried every team fight. He's my front runner right now for World's MVP uh, leading into the finals. He looks amazing right now. His form is, is so good. And remember, this is Zekka who was underperforming and arguably playing behind players like Closer and Vikla, who were the other mid laners he was competing with in that World's Qualifier that they just barely got through with two Game 5 series they played. It's just an incredible story. And, and the finals itself was also, I think, Genji choking a little bit. Chovy looked like his Hanwha life self, where he was off on his own, trying to farm, trying to actually get macro plays done, very disconnected from Peanut in a lot of those games. Um, in particular, there was a moment in mid where he was actually pushing the mid wave instead of actually being there to, to link up with his team on the Azir. Some really minor mistakes that ended up costing them big in a series this competitive where DRX was overperforming. Really big tragedy for Genji at the end of the day because expectations for Genji were the, this is practically a walkover. When T1 won the finals, everyone's like, all right, T1 Genji rematch. That's what everybody expected. And the expectations for DRX were very low. So they got to play basically with no fear, with no feeling of regret going into this best of five. And I think it gave him a lot of power, actually, over Genji. That will carry over to the finals. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. So for that insightful. Wall. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's just exceptional, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I really love that. Great thoughts. That's why we sent him to America. Yeah. I thought you were trying to get rid of him. <laughs> I just Thank wanted goodness. that to sit as, like, a no context. People were like, what? <laughs> You're like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of our amazing yeah, Korean exports. Anyway. Yeah. But... We digress. Uh, it is now um, time to get into the final, I reckon. We've been, I know we're not going to stay there, guys. Um, I do want to address the fact that we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. And so <laughs> things will just continue to stray and stray. But we're going to start off with a conversation about our projections for T1 versus DRX. And I want to preface this by something that I've said earlier in the episode, and that is that T1 are going to win 3-0, and it won't be, won't be close. It'll mm -hmm. be extremely easy for them. Of course. No one believe um, him. He's lying. No, no, no. It's set in stone, no, I, I think. No, I believe him. He's gotten all the DRX uh, predictions right so far. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I mean T1. I've gotten all the T1 predictions correct, and I've gotten all the DRX predictions incorrect. Exactly. It's a stoppable it's first force versus a movable object, Chronicler. Wait, the other... The Take it away. of those things. No, I'm just letting you, <laughs> letting you steal in this one. So, to me, the fairy tale of DRX, ideally, would continue. I want this team to win. I think the level of play that individually they've been able to maintain is exceptional. My one caveat is that I think the T1 in their current form are the best team in the world. And I think they strong arm everyone into playing how they want to play. And I think that's where DRX is going to run into really, really big troubles. Even when Genji at this Worlds looked good, because I'll leave Summer alone, because in Summer they were very proactive. Peanut in particular was like running around the map, like double double ganking bot lane like five times before. Invading the, the jungle all Evading the time. permanently, like very different team. But at Worlds, Genji, even when they looked good, were a pretty slow paced team that were like playing for team fights, they didn't show the confidence or the tempo that they showed in summer. It was more like Spring Genji, right? Yeah. We wait, look for a good team fight angle, and then we play. But T1 
and, and or rather I think that DRX was very able to deal with that and do it better because of the insane form that they're currently in and because of the draft, what we discussed in, in the And the fact discussion. that they wanted to play like that as well. Exactly, yeah. and they like to play like that. But T1 have uh, Zeus instead of Doran, and I'm not even, that, that's just that alone. That's a sorry Doran. That's, that's, yeah. that's a sorry Doran, but uh, not the greatest series, and Zeus is, like I said, it'd be a really fun discussion between him and 369, but those two are clearly in a league of their own, regardless of who mm -hmm. he feels better. They're the best top laners in the world by a very large margin. So I think Kingen's going to have a lot more trouble. Uh, even with how well Piochik has been playing, I do think that he's also relied on his laners doing a really good job, which shout out to them again. But with Faker in the form that he's in, in a final, I'd be a little worried, even with how well Zekka has played. Because while I think in isolation, I could see Zekka do well. I think that between Owner and Faker and how they play the 2v2, they should still be very far ahead of the RX and Guman Carry are the best bot lane in the world. So, like, the pace at which T1 can operate, I think for DRX should be really tough, and that's why I non-cursingly, non-ironically expect a 3-0 or a 3-1, because as well as DRX has done, as much as I'd like it to continue, T1 to me, like, that, that semifinals. And every single game, effectively, that they've played, barring the one Fnatic game, they've just, when they're winning, they look insanely good. Like, they just run you over. What do you do? Yeah, you talked about control. I think that T1, out of the four teams in the semis, they looked like they had the most control by far of their opponents, where they were like, no, 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 like, sorry, kiddo, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna take this game. No, 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 sorry, sorry again, we'll take this one. Um, <laughs> DRX are a lot more erratic, I would say. They have, like, more individual crazy pop-off moments, like Zekka, you know, on yeah. Ari and stuff like that. Um, T1, I feel like, are more whole as a team, I would say, right now, and... You mentioned like Guma and Carrier, best bottom lane in the world right now. <laughs> I would say that yeah. that is true. Um, probably wasn't even true at the beginning of Worlds. But no, I do. Yeah, 100%. Totally different situation. That caught now. me a bit off guard, I'm yeah. not going to lie. And I, I was like, like, oh, yeah, I like, disagree. No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. yeah. From what we know now, we have all the pieces. Yeah, you know, right, everything's been everything revealed. Is right now. All yeah, the yeah. twists have happened until the World Final. Uh, you never know what's going to happen there. But yeah, I would say that. Um, Guys like Faker, they're not going to lose lane four times in a row to Zeka. It's just not going to happen. Like, even if Chovy is a better laner, Faker is a more experienced guy who is not going to crack under the pressure. In terms of a laning phase, he is not just going to get gapped that many times that hard by even... I mean, if it does happen, then Zeka's just... Maybe he's, like, the best player in the world, you know? Like, all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but I don't expect that to happen. Um... One thing about top lane, though, is I feel like it still kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> so well, that's interesting. I mean, if Kingen gets I'm, Gragas again, I think Gragas has been I a really like great bailout. DRX have been finding ways to kind of make Kingen just... I forget, was it DRX who were doing this before in summer, or was it a different team where it was like they had their top laner? No, it was Sandbox. It was yeah. Sandbox with Dove, right? It's just like, okay, well... You come down and join us on the team fights and you sacrifice lane. Yeah, Obviously, was... Kingen's not doing that level. And he is a much better top laner in terms of laning than Dove. But, like, they don't need him to carry. They don't need him to match Zeus in terms of skill. I think they just need to pick the right stuff. <laughs> and get him into there, there team are, I mean... fights and then just let your carries do their thing. You know, let Koshik be a utility player and you can make it happen. Um, I would still predict T1 in terms of, if we're doing predictions, I would probably say 3-1. I think that DRX 
Um, they have too much writing on this now, where <laughs> that's fair. I feel like yeah. that might actually take away from their ability to play well because up until this point, it's like nobody is expecting it, but now it's like no, they're gonna do it, and then maybe they just fall just a little bit short because now everybody's like, we're so close, we can do this, and maybe that's when the pressure gets to them. But um, yeah, I, I would say that T1 overall are just a more solid team. I think they're just gonna take it. I think. Yeah, Faker and the boys are just too good. I feel like it's the incoming wake-up call for DRX, you know? Like, you're having a really good dream, really good dream, and then, you know, T1 happens, wakes you it, up with a baseball bat. That's, that's what I'm... I, what's I, don't, I don't want to be... I want it to... Like I said, I would love for DRX to win. I mean, I, I actually don't care who wins. I just want it to be competitive. Well, if it's like a five-game, even a four-game that's close... Like, yeah. that feels really, really good. I just don't good. want it to end with T1, like, absolutely gutter stomping. Like, that, 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 that would just be... It would, it would not take away from how insanely of a tournament DRX have had. It's still, and I, I tweeted it and I stand by it, like, the greatest miracle run in world's history. By, I mean, outside of TPA, I guess. That's fair, yeah. But that was before Modern League started. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that was before. We're following chroniclers. So we're, we're now. Uh, are we like a, now like a creationist? So like God hadn't existed yet. Like the birth yeah. of Faker is 2013, and so that's yeah. therefore so the beginning of League of Legends. Begins from there. I, wow. So evolution that's, doesn't I exist. I just want to. I just want to highlight. <laughs> I, that's not what I said at all. Disclaimer. I, I, I am not of that opinion. Mm -hmm. um, Sure. And, and, and if you want to start with season two, that's also fine. But I feel like that year... I'd probably start at season one. Generally. I think DRX is... I would agree with Chronicler, though. Yeah. Going I from play-ins to... I think if they win Worlds, then it's the, the greatest. But it, I think if they don't, then TPA still got it for me. Uh, what, what I, what, the, the point being that as much as it will be deflating, it will never take away from what DRX have achieved, what Zaka has done, what Pioshik has done, being able to go from a player who was 2-16... and 16, that, remember last year at DRX? Mm -hmm. It was heartbreaking. Every time we walked past that booth, one, like when they got O2'd again. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. Like the faces and King and MPO Shik, they went through all that. You know, Deft was, Deft was an Anwa. He was, he was like, <laughs> he was just living his best He's life. Barrel obviously made it to MSI and, uh, and World Finals. And also, like, we need to preface this by saying, like, Bao and Becker, when they were playing on that DRX roster as well, didn't actually look terrible. But the rest they had of the, moments. They, had they, moments. they had their moments. But what I want to say is that, like, they weren't. It wasn't just the top side of the map that all oh, no, 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 these no. guys, the bottom lanes boosted. We need to get Barrel and Deft, otherwise we're going to suck. Like that wasn't the case. It, I don't think. I think they all sucked. They just, they just all sucked, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and and even in 2020, Pioshik was probably the high, the most highly criticized player yeah. on that roster. Uh, which don't, in hindsight, please don't like, talk to me about Derek's such an insane, in 2020. <laughs> such an insane uh, roster yeah. in hindsight, especially. And in terms of storylines, there's also. Like either uh, Zeus in his first worlds or anyone <laughs> uh, on because uh, it's so it's King's first worlds and it's uh, Zeka's first worlds. Like the two of them versus Zeus getting a worlds win in your first worlds is also and like Kyoshik being Isn't like Zeus's the... first worlds. It is. It's, yeah, yeah it's, that's it's, what I said. Yeah, Zeus. Oh, yeah, yeah, Zeus yeah. and uh, King and and Zeka. All right, it's their okay. first worlds. Yeah. So I mean, I, and that like Deft being perpetually in the quarterfinals and then home, I, and Pioshik being perpetually just not good, 
at the World Championship. You know, like, stuck in quarterfinals for their entire history as an orc. Last year, EDG. You know what they did? Lost to DRX. But on this, this time around, they did. <laughs> I'm talking about last year. They won yeah. Worlds. What are you talking about? Come no, on, man. Recency bias. <laughs> they're, no, they're no longer True. the reigning world recency champions. Recency bias. Results-based analysis. Yeah. I was going to uh, talk about this got? before. They didn't you were, win, so they're not good. Yeah. That we you, were, you were talking about nice. recency bias and like the opposite of rose-tinted glasses. What could we call the opposite of rose-tinted? Like poop-tinted glasses? Just gray? Black and white? No, black and white is generally like for... It's very emo. Yeah. No, like black and white I think is for like emotionless, factual stuff. You have, you have the blinders like, on? It's there gray, in black gray, and white. You know? Gray scales then. Mm. It's just mm. like gloomy. 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 Gloomy glasses. Yeah. A, a pessimistic take mm. or something like that. Because, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I got, I got a little bit sidetracked by that one. <laughs> cut. Uh, yeah, cut, cut. Cut, the, cut the video. Cut, cut the video. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, no. This is perfect. This is perfect because now we can hear Wolf's thoughts on mm. the final and what his predictions are going to be. Take it away, sir. So going into the finals, I think overwhelmingly T1 are still the favorites. And when you look at the matchups across the board... Some of them really stick out to you. Obviously, Zayas against Kingen seems like it's going to be a blowout, potentially, where Kingen won't be able to capitalize on that lane as much as he did in the Gen G series, where Doran made a lot of mistakes. Zayas is not going to make those types of mistakes. You're not going to have as much power there. And the mid lane is one that's, I think, favoring uh, DRX right now in terms of individual skill. Exeka is performing better than Faker on an individual level. Well, Faker is a smarter player, I think, overall, and his experience is really going to shine through, so I give them the edge there. The most interesting matchup for me is going to be how the bot lane plays out, because Gumayusi is returned to spring form. He's looking really good. Karia seems to have a lot more flexibility in what he can play in the support role, rather than Barrel, who's looked very weak on engaged uh, supports throughout this tournament and just in general throughout 2022. So I'm leaning towards the bot duel of T1. The only reason I would ever give an edge to DRX going to this best of five is, is almost just this metaphysical idea, this, this theory, this feeling of we doubted DRX in the world's qualifiers. We doubted them going into the first round of groups. We doubted them in the quarterfinals against EDG. Everybody doubted them against Genji, and, and here they are. And it feels silly to doubt them now, but I will give my official prediction to T1 in a 3-1 series here. I think they have the stronger setup for topside. I think they can pressure the topside, still play weak side for Guma, or they can reverse it, play around bottom, which they did so well in that uh, semi-final match against JDG. So have to give the edge to T1 here in the end. Thank you so much, American Wolf, uh, for the insight for the final. We have a few final thoughts um, here, and maybe just some help, just because we're not going to be there uh, on the actual world's broadcast. So we thought we'd give you some overarching narrative, much like a lot of the stuff that will be delivered, but we just wanted to add whatever we could um, here on the POG State, because, you know, as far as like overarching things, um, certainly a lot has been mentioned, but like, let's, let's just uh, have a bit of a chat. You already mentioned the Marco What about... Boys. The players from Griffin, and then the players from 2020 DRX, <laughs> and where all of them are today, because we have a bunch of them in the top four, at least, of Worlds. Um, in terms of Griffin, we don't have Tarzan, uh, unfortunately, but yeah. uh, Doran was there, right? We had Caria, Chovy, mm -hmm. um, Viper, uh, well, he, you know, he, yeah. he, he was close, right? Close to the top four, but then... 
you know, uh, in terms of that five-man roster, that's that's that. But then we get into DRX as well, 2020, which had Caria and Deft. And all of these players just are incredible. They have, like, some kind of, like, secret sauce. I don't know what allows them to be so good year over year um, through thick and thin, through getting bodied in some uh, regular seasons, then to making gauntlet runs. You know, obviously, Deft is an obvious one, but the other guys as well, like... And then getting on great teams and performing really well with them and like Doran's case and stuff like that. Like, how do they manage to do that? What is the secret sauce of these players? I'm really happy you went back to, because we talked about Griffin a little bit on the broadcast as well. Because between Griffin uh, and, and the other team that this tournament was not nearly as relevant, besides Beryl was Domon, of course, that mm. came up with them. And it really makes me, as much as I, I obviously love challenges, it really makes me miss promotions. Because there have been teams and there, there, there might be players right now that are in challengers. And if they had the chance to come up into the LCK the way that Domon and Griffin did, like, if you look at how important those players are to what we achieved um, as a region over the last two years, it's... No, absolutely. I think the, like, the young blood is definitely something that's worth mentioning because there is a combination of both, right? We've got the two oldest players from the LCK in Deft and Finca. <laughs> That's right? actually unreal. Yeah. But both of them are accompanied by so many young players. And I think that like DRX overall, not nearly as young as T1R. It is definitely like, you know, Faker the big, big brother or the uncle, I guess. Mm. Bring and me then to the world kids, Zoomers. right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And has a lot of very young talent on that team. But the same can be said for, you know, Deft and taking care of his players. I think Beryl is a bit older and has a bit mm -hmm. more experience as well, but has certainly been through thick and thin. So you could say that like the bottom lane, I think Beryl's probably a bit young at heart as well, especially with how he plays the game. So I'd probably say that he can go into the younger players category, but like him and Deft able to like mold the others in, you know, two different ways at the same time is really, really cute. Um, we actually heard a bit of this um, spoken about as well when Jisun interviewed both Zekka and Deft after their semi-final, like asking Zekka what he takes away from Deft. And it's just his extremely veteran status and gives him that, you know, that quiet confidence to know that when he says something is the thing to do, you can feel confident and knowing that And Deft doesn't that talk a lot, so no, if no. he does say something, you know, you better be <laughs> listening <laughs> yeah. to that guy, yeah. otherwise, you know, get off the team, you know, like he's, he's got so much uh, respect behind him that you just have to, hmm. it, it just like drags everybody along with him, just like you were saying. The amount of poetic one-liners that Deft has dropped over the course of this World Championship, like the last year, is actually insane, right? Like oh, yeah. the, the, the amount of perspective that he offers. What I think is really, really cool, and this is more of a stylistic thing, is that for T1, greatness is expected. Like, the fact that they make finals is good, but even last year, with a uh, top laner that was a lot more one-dimensional and, and a roster that hadn't played nearly as much together, they still got one game away from finals. So them making it to finals, I think, is, is obviously a return to true greatness, regardless of whether they win, but it's also expected. But I would implore you to go back and watch on DRX their YouTube, the DRX voice comes when they were down 0-2 to EDG because it paints such a... It's deft, oh, like, yeah. it's deft dropping one line. It's going to be like, hey, guys, it's about the journey. Let's have some fun. <laughs> um, it's it's Pioshik as Pioshik just being like, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Just being a cheerleader. Yeah. Zeka and uh, King, and as you'd expect, mostly focused on the game. 
and then barrels just either shot calling 100% or saying, we are the circus, which I still, <laughs> I, 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 still I still don't really know. Yeah. I, I would really like. They are the circus. Yeah, they, like, I mean, they I'd are say the translation issue, but then I realize it's barrels, so probably not probably a translation not. issue. Probably right on and and, 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 and uh, yeah. there are two really different forms of like league storyline that are come together. It's a expected greatness from the greatest organization, the greatest player of all time, with hand-picked rookies that were like, you are picked to win worlds with Faker. That's what we're going to do with obviously the example of Car or the exception of Caria who came up in DRX, but like still that roster is made. Hand-picked away from DRX. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to win worlds. And then DRX is the, 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 the chaos. You know, the like the unexpected quantity, the creativity, the not that T1 isn't creative, but like the the difference in how these two teams look and how they how their journey has been could not be more different. And it makes for such an uh, insanely uh, yeah. interesting, yeah. cool. It's going to be a really cool clash of fan groups as well, because I feel like everybody that was rooting for someone that wasn't T1 are now on the DRX boat. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> and, and T1 is T1, so they have this giant fan base. I have like a lot of friends in Korea that they don't do esports or whatever, but they message me every single time T1 wins. They're like, man, they look so good. I'm like, you're watching this? What? It's like <laughs> 6 a.m. They're like, yeah, it's before work. I don't care. I gotta watch this. They're just like so many even casual fans. T1 has an insanely large fan base versus the world. <laughs> like, it's everybody else, And the right? deft fans. And the deft and fans. And basically everyone from China, it's, because like yeah. there's there's like a large amount of them well, are just EDG fans, and so they're deft fans. And a so lot of them are T1 fans as well. Well, that's so, true, actually. The, but they the would SKT fall in the giant T1, T1 yeah. bubble. So that, they'll fall into that bubble. But then all there's, the there's so fans. many that all of the EDG fans like come over to the DRX side. All the side. underdog followers. So all, all of the... Australia, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's what we naturally <laughs> Australia. do. Yeah. Uh, all the, just all... everybody who is rooting for not T1. You know, they for want a, a different winner. They want, like, the miracle story, the underdog. It's going to be really And cool. all of the like anime the... watches. All of the anime watches exactly. are DRX fans. Yeah. I think, like, uh, Ashley's tweet T1 was 100% right? like, on the I don't money. I watch anime, yeah. but there's... Final bosses and yeah. anime. And that, that kind of plays into the, I think the global side should know about this, at least if you're an LCK fan, but at the beginning of the regional qualifiers, it was the, the last dance or the dance mm -hmm. lasts, right? The lasting dance. The lasting dance. This dance has been going on forever. And it's kind of like nobody expected it. Even the fans, they were like, you know, it's the last dance. But then after they won once, they're like, oh, this dance is lasting. And the dance is still lasting. Keep, and they made it to worlds. And now they're in the world final. It's like the dance never ends. It's I mean, like, this is the longest the dance can go. Nobody. Like, like, <laughs> Literally. Yeah. From planes to finals. And I think that, like, it, yeah. win or lose, I think Def plays another year. Yeah. Because I think that, like, the thing, the, the thing that Def maybe didn't wins, want. Maybe not. I think, I think I uh, it, might, it might be that like, he, he retires on a win. But I, I still think that, like, for Def, we've heard this from him so many times, is... What he wants is to pursue excellence. And what he's discovered this year was that he does feel like he's still improving. And so like that means that I, I assume we get him for at least another year, right? I, I, if that motivation is still there. I really hope so. I went back to the KT series yesterday and they, they won game one being down like 10K gold. Game one of that series, BRX won. Then that. they lost to an auto-filled Zyra. Remember that? Oh I'd already forgotten God, about yes. that. Because there was a... Vikla oh. couldn't find Neela, so he had to lock... So they... Like, imagine... 
imagine if they don't come back from 10k gold, mm. right? Imagine if they lose that first game and then they go down 0-2 and then they don't make it and either KT or Sandbox I mean, that, makes yeah. it. Like that's I forgot how and then they, and then that series was. Well, that's that's yeah. like if you go back, so many steps on this journey have just been like, it's not happening. The dance lasts. They honestly Nobody look like they're playing of, any. Yeah. You know, this this is the one narrative point that I know they're gonna get because they've said it every single time, and, and it, it should, be. should be said every time because every step of the way, it's like, well, we didn't expect them here, like. What are they going to do today? It's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, oh, I don't know. Like, can yeah. they make it past Gen G? Probably not. And then they do. It's like, it's the never-ending story for DRX. It's and so it's cool. actually kind of how EDG won Worlds last year. It which was. is, like, actually also beautiful, because now it's, like, Deft, who was talking about this uh -huh. in that interview. And it's, oh, it's so poignant and so beautiful. Like, talking about, like, when Scout and Mako won Worlds. At first he was happy, then he was sad because he felt like he was left behind. But now he's left them behind and he was the one to actively do it with his hands, <laughs> right? Like, that, that whole thing is just so beautifully poetic. And if he manages to win, he sends a message to Mako and he's like, hey buddy, I'm, it I'm just took you. me an extra year. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm here. and that, like, that, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling emotional now. right now thinking about yeah. that, you know? Uh, and, yeah. I, I, I told we talked about what our breakpoint was for that quarterfinal. For you, it was Dev hugging Mako. For me, it was uh, the, hugging the Scout. Like oh, his first, yeah. like just the first time, like that was where the reality really sunk in. Of like, this is what he's managed to do, right? And uh, won't go into it too much because we'll, 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 we'll get there again. <laughs> yeah. And as uh, as much as like we've talked about the DRX line and what history Dev has had to overcome, right? Like playing against. This former team, literally former team, mm -hmm. uh, then a lot of his former teammates in Doran and in Chovy taking them down, and now Mako going Scout, up. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So from Mako Scout, then yeah. to Doran Chovy, now to obviously a Carrier, and then even though they didn't play together, like Faker and him have been in the same league for so long. But then if you look at T1, T1 story is one of utter dominance of so many storied organizations and like without a doubt showing like how good they are, right? Like free zeroing RNG, completely running them over. And, and, and especially that second game where Guma is just, it's spring Guma again. That was, that was to me the point where I was like, oh, well, uh, we're back to this again, I guess. Yeah. And then free, uh, going with a free one victory for, for JDG. And as much as it might feel sad to not see the miracle run come true, especially if T1 get a dominant victory, I also want to like highlight how it, it, Coming into Worlds, it was another situation where like, it was kind of hard to rate T1 because they looked very uninspiring in playoffs and finals. One game away from losing to Dom1 and getting free zeroed and then showcase a uh, performance like that in, in best of fives is just... It's yeah. Terminator-esque. For me, it was really cool. I forgot to mention this during the semi-discussion about T1 versus JDG, but the fact that they... They identified that Lucianami it's very strong, but then they kind of gave the reins over to Guma and Karia when they haven't been the guys who have been carrying the entire time. They're like, okay, now it's your turn, and you better perform, and they did. And Guma like had this incredible superstar performance. It shows just that, you know, from us looking from the outside, we can see a player that's maybe not performing to the top level, but everybody within that organization, including his teammates, they all still have full trust in him and yeah. in Karia. And they're like, okay, now it's your turn to carry. You know, we haven't really put you in that place. It's been about Zayus. It's been about Owner and Faker. Top side of the map has been insane. But then they were just like, 
Lucian Nami until they ban it. And every single time they played it, it was all about like the Lucian getting ridiculous amounts of damage. And Not to mention Carrier also finding every yeah. bubble ever. Like, I think that like that was it was some. <laughs> I, I say vintage Carrier, and by that I mean definitely one of the best players to ever play the yeah, game. Yeah, he's like, insane, and it's the perfect example of. Form is temporary, class is permanent. We talked a lot about it at the top of the episode, but now coming back to it, it's like any player, even owner, you know, he hasn't looked like he did when he was stomping people every jungle, like in spring and even in summer. Or last but, year at Worlds. Yeah, yeah, or last year at Worlds, but I'm sure in the finals, he's going to be right there. Like when it comes down to it, all five of these players are like, they're like the final bosses in their own role. And, you know, maybe you couldn't have said that about Guma or even about Owner before the semis, but now they're certainly there uh, based off of that performance. So the class is permanent. <laughs> they are the final boss. I don't think it's a question. You know, all the T1 fans are going to be like, yeah, we knew it all of the time, but that's not necessarily true either because, you know, everybody's love for them is a bit fickle when they start performing below their 10 out of 10. People are like, oh, I don't know what to do, but now at least... They're at 10 out of 10, and I think it's going to be the real final boss for DRX. So it's, it's what we want, yeah. right? If, if the finals, imagine if it were DRX versus Gen G, it would have been like a crazy story, and it would have been really great for DRX. But at the end of the day, we could also say like, ah, you know, Gen G, they could have played better, which we have seen them play better throughout this year many times. I think I have, well, I should say, I have confidence that T1 will play at the top of their level for the final. Uh, yeah, so, I think they're more consistent. I think they've demonstrated that. Yeah, and well, also they've been challenged world. a bit more, right? Because the like the fact that they got through JDG, and I think like, although it wasn't necessarily grueling for T1, we know that JDG are an extraordinarily high caliber team, right? We've saw, we've seen JDG face off against Dom1 in the group stage as well, and that was extremely competitive. Uh, like really, really fun to watch, but I think you could probably say that Dom One and them were on a similar level at that yeah. point in time. I mean, very clearly, right? In how the yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was, well. it was it was two one in favor of JDG, so I guess we put them slightly ahead of Dom One. Yeah. Dom One then pushed uh, Gen G extraordinarily hard. T One three zip over RNG, who I think like Wolf would also attest to, like didn't necessarily look that good. Kind of a shadow of the the former selves that they were at MSI, and they're a spring team anyway, right? They always have been. Um, yeah. Let's just narrative bomb. We'll go that way. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think the JDG win was much more impressive from T1, and that was where I was like, "Oh crap!" And I already okay, like I already here. tweeted this actually yeah. uh, when T1 was playing, even in the group stage. I was like, "If they keep this up, like, like crap, man! Like this this mm. team could win it all." My moment was maybe ten minutes before game two versus JDG ended. I tweeted. Uh, well, I don't want to overreact, but I think T1 are going to win Worlds. Because, uh, like, after I saw that game, I'm like, no, yeah, they're here. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, everybody's, everybody's ready to go. They're going to win. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just meant to be. It's T1. For me, it was the, uh, the game two against RNG. The, the deficit, Guma being like, no, Zayus, it's oh, okay. Oh, that comeback, Zayus, the backbreaker. It's, it's, it's okay. I got, I got you. Don't worry. Right? And, and Guma's a guy who obviously is very vocal as a, as a you. Uh, I, has a huge ego slash is very confident depending on how you look at it. Um, but seeing moments like that, I think really also showcase that you can be like that in public, but as long as you're a good teammate, then it's fine. No, absolutely. And, uh, and I think having some bravado is good in a team. Well, especially for well. an AD carry because you <laughs> yeah. need to play on that edge, right? But I, I want to go back a little bit to what Valdis has been saying, what's kind of a recurring theme here, is that if you thought T1 was going to be this good coming into Worlds or DRX, 
or if you pretend that it was always obvious or always going to be the case, it actually takes away from what, to me, is the most magical yeah. thing about worlds and the most magical thing about competition in general, which is players transcending themselves through effort, through teamwork, through like finding a new way, finding a new angle to, to, to look at the game, to look at how you play, to look at how you interact and relate and trust your teammates. So trust in teammates is something that DRX kept going back to um, because these teams are not the same. And they are just infinitely better versions of what we saw in them. Part of that is the meta, but part of it is just the journey that they've went through. And, and that, to me, is always going to be the highlight of yeah. any international tournament. And saying something like, I never doubted them or something like that is actually kind of disingenuous <laughs> in this yeah, particular I mean, case. I kind of right? love it, but it, it... I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it feels like the, the, the right thing to do as far as fandom is concerned. But I think it, you're exactly right. For us setting up this series, it doesn't do it justice. And there's a lot of people that are like meta apologists as well. Like, I don't actually think the summer meta was that different. Like, as far as like things that it, like Zeri's gone. That's, like, there's yeah. there's less carpal tunnel, but that's basically it as far as Champel. Yeah, Zeri and Siver being gone, but it also I mean Siver's uh, not gone. No, well, only, only with Yumi, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's well, just undefeated. Well, yeah, okay. Well, actually, no. That's, Siva Yumi is undefeated. Siva Yumi is undefeated, yeah. which I do think is, is very different. Now, what 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 I want to highlight is the unfortunate reality of this as well, though, is that coming into planes, I because I, I, I was there for DRX, right? I was like, I, I don't know. You know, they're kind of they're kind of uh, the, the top side's not that good. Sometimes Zeka doesn't show up. Uh, and then you look like an idiot because here they are <laughs> I mean, in no, the world's in the world's fathers in place. I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, against RNG, like, oh, but you oh, weren't incorrect. You were absolutely right. While coming into it, but up. well, it's it's like I'm both right in in adjudicating them like that, but also very wrong seeing what we know. And I've that, like I love that though. Like no, that's that's and like I think so that everyone funny. needs like we we are still predicting T1 to take this, right? Yeah. But we're not, yeah. we're not idiots. Yeah. We're not no idiots doubt. for predicting that when DRX 3-0s them, for example. Mm. Like, if that happens, well, I mean, like, what we've done is just set up expectations correctly. And I think that that's actually how you need to look at this. Because I think T1 should be heavy favorites, especially with, you know, the pedigree of talent that they have, plus so fake effect. And then DRX. when DRX do manage to <laughs> somehow yeah. do it, you understand that it is a freaking miracle. Actually and is, if yeah. they win worlds, if DRX wins worlds, it is the greatest fairy tale to ever exist in League of Legends history, bar none. There is nothing that I don't think that anything can possibly come close mm. to that in the future. I, I, Mainly because maybe we'll lose our fourth seed, and then it's impossible. Mm. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I, I actually think fourth seeds are a mistake. Even seeing this, like I still, I think fourth seeds make the tournament way worse. But that's going into format changes, which like I, don't <laughs> I mean, yeah, like. format. We, we, we can discuss. Yeah, 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 that's that's for another that episode. Is, it's only a mistake uh, if we then get lower bracket. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, cause, cause, uh, that, but, but that's like, that's a whole nother thing. Um, that <laughs> Until next think. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have, we might, yeah. maybe we'll have like a, a wrap up discussion like after um, the finals are finished oh, for nice. like a last episode and of the year or something like that over yeah. some food. You know, the best part back. is there's no, there's no losing because either, either T1 and like Faker returns to the, the, the top or it's a miracle run. Like, we're, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but like I'm, I'm happy regardless. Either, either Zayas wins, you know, Zayas and the gang. It's Faker and the gang, but I, I really like Zayas. <laughs> um, or it's, or it's a miracle. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, it's actually just amazing, no matter what happens. And Faker yeah. picking up his fourth title, Deft picking up his first. As far as the old guard are concerned, I think all of us are pretty happy about it. If you've been mm -hmm. watching League of Legends for a long time, Carrier getting his first title, so Valdis yeah. can very like, happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Uh, he's back to his form. He knew yeah. all mm -hmm. along. Valdez approved. Back 100%. in DRX days, yeah. He knew. Mm -hmm. He knew. Three years ago. He was a great player then. Mm -hmm. He's even better now. <laughs> it's just amazing. Anyway, I hope we've given you uh, some food for thought. I know it's it's been a little bit wishy-washy, and mainly we're just excited, to be honest, about this final Pretty much. <laughs> Even if it is a 3-0, I'm still just excited ah, to see fine. how it's going to be played out, what's going to happen. But I think we've been talking for about a billion years, so thank you so much for watching, everyone. Um, hopefully, we can get you a little bit more Pog State before the year is out, but if it is the last episode, um, goodbye, and we'll see you in 2023. Stay Pog. Thank you.